0: Today on City Cash Chicago, it was a shorter week on the pod, but like always, we want to hit the brakes before the weekend and look back on a few stories. City Bureau's Bettina Chang joins me and our very own small Alisea to do just that. It's Friday, September 10th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is City Cash Chicago. Well, Bettina, Baloney, thank y'all both for being here.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me back. It's great to be here.
2: I'm glad to know that now the entire listenership of CityCast will know my childhood nickname.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, let's jump into this. Bettina, I'm going to start with you. What's a story that you were paying a, cl- a lot of attention to this week? You're paying close attention to. <laughs>
1: Sort of couldn't take my eyes away from Jim Gardner, our esteemed alder person of the 45th Ward, who um, is in hot water, to put it lightly. Um, I mean, we've had some pretty bad alder people in our our, um, history as a city. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Jim Gardner and the leaked text revealing that he called his colleagues several bad words, of which I'm not sure I'm allowed to say on CityCast. Um, especially women and just like really revealing the depth of misogyny that takes place in Chicago politics, even at the highest levels, even as we have a woman mayor and many women, older people. Um, it's just, I mean, I mean, it's outrageous and it really shows how, um, how toxic politics have gotten in the city. And especially on the Northwest side, where I feel like there's been a lot of, a lot of fighting in the last couple of years.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we sat down with Ariel from Block Club, who has been following this story, who covers the Northwest side with such great attention to detail. You know, like you, I wasn't really shocked when this story came out because I'm like, man, it sounds like his working relationships have not been healthy. He, you know, he has a very fraught relationship with people who don't support him. But then you also see in the text that he's trying to withhold services from people in the community. So and that's really scary because when you have an older person coming out, and, and texting these, you know, vulgar and sexist remarks and talking about threatening people, their access to community resources, that's really all the ingredients for, you know, terrible conflict.
2: Yeah, that's the thing that gets me about this story is a lot of times when we're talking about um, problems with our aldermen, corruption, etc., we're talking about, you know, the favors they do for their friends. This is a look at the other side, is what are these people doing and saying about their enemies or who they perceive as their enemies and what happens when they think their enemy is one of their constituents. And I think that's the other thing about it that really gets me. It's like with some of these other, when you, t- when you talk about like corruption, it's like, okay, they just wanted money or they just wanted power. And this is just like, these are just mean. Yeah. It's not nice. <laughs> it's It's rude. It's vulgar.
0: And with all of that, one of the worst parts is that, you know, the big call this week for, was for just like an apology.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's, that was frustrating for me too. It's like that, is that really the most we can ask from him is an apology. Like we're really going to keep our bar that low. I mean, this man, you know, is on the public payroll. He is in charge of like one fiftieth 50th of, uh, of our city. And um, it's just not acceptable. I mean, he should be, i um, I just feel like there's much more that you can ask for from somebody who has that much power in the city.
2: I hundred percent agree, and I, I think you know it, it's worth noting too that there are like formal complaints out there with the Cook County Democratic Party um with uh, soon to be with the the city ethics Board. What I will be curious to know is like what is that process and what are the consequences and actions that that can be taken because that's that's sort of the next step, and that's what we don't know yet.
0: Simone, what was that story you were looking at this week?
2: Uh, Staying on the city council, I would like to bring some attention to the story about aldermanic pay. Every year, aldermen are up for an automatic pay adjustment. This is stemming from a 2006 law that sort of tried to get around the idea of like having the city council vote on its own pay every year. So what the solution they came up with was this automatic pay adjustment. And this year is set to be the largest pay increase in 15 years, a 5.5% Increase in pay.
0: Mm-hmm. It's When you look at the breakdown, too, the, the gap between the highest earners and the lowest earners is a maybe like $14,000. About 31 of our city council are making the high end at about $123,000, mm-hmm. including <coughs> Gardner.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's on that high end.
0: So the pay for the ward, the older people choose every year whether or not to accept it.
2: On an individual basis, yeah.
0: It's really going to be interesting to see who accepts it and who doesn't, especially since they've wrapped this conversation up in, you know, the city is struggling. People who live in the city are still looking for jobs, still feeling the economic impact. Does it look good to accept for some of them a sixty seven hundred dollar raise while people are still looking for rent relief in the city and access to resources? Uh, Bettina, did you see uh, that all the people have to what is it, September 15th to make this choice?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I truly, I think that this is such a problematic way of running a city. I mean, the aldermanic system already, like what Simone was saying before, and then they, they get to choose whether or not they get a raise. I mean, like if you ran any other organization, whether it's a nonprofit <laughs> corporation or whatever, I mean, that is just objectively a bad idea.
0: Yeah. And the, the logic though was, was funny. They were like, Hey, we're gonna avoid corruption by having to vote on this every year by giving it to ourselves every year <laughs> that I think that makes it pretty clean for me
2: well and on some level I could like there's like a logic to it that like I almost get there is an element of like you might be in a workplace where you get an automatic um, cost of living adjustment which is usually a small very small too small in most places uh a- a adjustment to your pay to keep up with inflation this is based on the consumer price index which is is like the more raw volatile sort of number of inflation. And I also just think a city council isn't quite the organization where you want to just reward people automatically without proof <laughs> of that they've like done their job in a way that merits you know what i mean that that, that merits a raise yeah. maybe yeah.
0: But Tina, I'm going to kick it back to you to look at what was the story that you thought, you know, maybe deserved some more eyes. You were paying attention to it, but you you thought the the energy around it needed to be a little higher.
1: Yeah. So I think I say this about every IG report. Like every
0: time.
2: <laughs> you mean inspector general?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Every time the inspector general comes out with a report, I'm just like, this guy's got the toughest job in the city. <laughs> <laughs> Right, he's the city watchdog, doesn't get a ton of funds in order to do what he does. And yet the office puts out these reports regularly. And the most recent one that I saw was about the Department of Finance and the way that the city holds its money. And so wherever we put our money, that bank or that group of banks gets like a huge benefit out of it. Right. The reason this Inspector General report came out is because City Bureau and WBEZ did a huge investigation last year that revealed the top lenders in the city, the biggest banks are actually spending almost like cents on the dollar uh, in black and brown neighborhoods compared to white neighborhoods. In fact, like there are neighborhoods, single neighborhoods on the north side, like Lakeview, get more home lending dollars than all of the black and brown neighborhoods combined. Uh, The inspector general is basically saying like, we could be doing something more about vetting these banks before we put our money there. And we just aren't.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought this one up because it was definitely failed by the wayside for me. I did not uh, yeah, I this catch too. this report when it f- first came out. But as you talk through it, like the, the way these banks are uh, choosing not to invest in black and brown communities still have predatory interest rates, like Man, this topic definitely needs more attention. Simone, what's the story you were paying attention to this week and you thought it deserved a little more energy?
2: This is one of our wonkier conversations because I want to talk about zoning. Yes! <laughs> uh,
0: okay, <laughs> banks, zoning, automatic pay. Let's get into the yeah, we're Yeah, really, we're
2: really getting into it. Uh, also in the city council, the uh, zoning committee passed an adjustment easing zoning laws on cannabis dispensaries. You know, we just did an episode on uh, equity in the cannabis industry or the lack thereof. This is a really key component of that that I think a lot of people miss, which is like, okay, you have a license, but can you actually build the pot shop?
0: Mm-hmm. Where, Where is, is it going to go? go? Where you-
2: um, and in Chicago, the zoning restrictions have been re- they have been really, really, really strict. This new ordinance that was just passed in committee relaxes that significantly throughout Chicago. So I think the part, there was a part that got a lot of attention about like, oh, there could be more um, pot shops downtown, but these zoning rules actually apply across the city. It could be easier soon to open a pot shop in Chicago, period. And I am just really excited about that because I need dispensary prices to go down. I just, I need it to happen immediately as yeah, soon as possible.
0: It's, it's- It's absolutely ridiculous. Not only that we have less than 20 dispensaries in the biggest uh, city in Illinois, that they are terribly placed Mm -hmm. around the city. And like you said, they got prices at a place that's just like... Ridiculous, like, buddy, I'm not giving you that.
1: Going back to aldermanic privilege, right? Like, that is one of the big problems in our city is that aldermen have so much mm-hmm. control over zoning, and so I worry about like individual aldermen trying to block cannabis dispensaries um, and what that would mean for more equitable um, distribution of licenses, which clearly there has not been. Uh, but if prices go down, I'm for it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. That's that's all I that's that's truly the my my biggest concern in all of this is I I just I just want the prices to go down. I think that's a really good point, Bettina. This particular ordinance is, is the whole idea is that it actually removes the barrier of having to go to your alderman and specifically mm. get. a a special permit and a special permission to to operate.
0: Let's move on to some good news to get the people through the weekend. Simone, I'm gonna start with you. What was a moment of joy or some good news you wanna share with our CityCast audience?
2: So over the weekend, I was back in Washington visiting with family and we were at a, a hops farm. And we were there because they were honoring my extended family because my great grandfather and many of my uncles used to work on this farm. And now the farm is sort of part of this coalition of ranches in Yakima. That they're the largest producer of hops in the US.
0: Beer runs in your family.
2: Yeah, it was very cool. But then it was like also really cool to think that like I could come back to Chicago into one of like our many, many, many breweries. I like think Chicago is <laughs> very much a beer town, and think to myself, like, you know, my family history might exist in any one of these pints or bottles or whatever it is I'm drinking and it was just like a nice reminder um of of just like being connected to family no matter where I am and it was really nice
0: oh that's so sweet I could 100% picture Simone walking into a brewery and being like hey where y'all you get your hops from <laughs> and they're like we, oh that's out that of Yakima and Washington State she's like actually <laughs> pour me up something fella I need I want to tell you a story I, I love the topics of today's show so far. It really is like the what is the foundation on which Chicago runs. And it's honestly like, if you're really from Chicago, you know that like zoning, beer, weed, and aldermen doing what aldermen do, it's pretty much like a run of the mill Chicago <laughs> day. Tina, did you have a moment of joy you want to share with the people? Yeah,
1: it's about municipal finance.
0: <laughs> My <laughs> G. <laughs>
1: This <laughs> is a super wonky episode. And I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I'm go. I, I'll go with Simone all the way to the other side. And this is also not Chicago related, but last weekend I watched Shang Chi uh, and the Ten Rings, the Mar the new Marvel movie, starring Simu Liu. And I gotta say, it just like truly put a shine to my week. Um, you know, to see an Asian American led. Marvel movie to see my people <laughs> I just thought first of all it was a great movie and second just, I think it marks like a huge uh, momentous time for um, Asian Americans right? especially with like a year of like increasing hate crimes in a year in which you know um, you know we've been vilified um, due to the virus but like for so many other reasons um, it's just been it was just it made a huge difference to me <laughs> just sitting in a theater being like oh my goodness this is what it looks like to be seen in pop culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Shout out to Simu. Shout out to Michelle, Tony. I went and saw it when it came out and uh, that shit was beautiful. My moment of joy this week is an event that's taking place this Saturday in Auburn Gresham. Uh, it's the 79th Street Renaissance Festival. I believe it's the... 15th or 16th year of the festival they usually shut down different parts of the nine but they're i think they're just shutting down 79th and racine so there'll be carnival games there'll be a senior section there'll be places for family you can also take trolley tours of the gresham neighborhood you know as a child you don't really know what like what is the historical significance of your neighborhood or you know how is this neighborhood different than the opposite end of the city for me gresham was just my chicago To go back and to experience Gresham as an adult through events like the Renaissance Festival, to see the Great Wall of Chicago being painted there, Um, it it gives me even more appreciation for the community. So I'm excited to to go out on Saturday. It'll be out there from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m.
1: That sounds amazing. When you say Renaissance Festival, are you talking like straight up costumes and like turkey legs? Or
0: see, see, when I first saw the name, uh, my thought was that as well. I was like, oh, is, are they gonna be out there, like with with you know faux horses and, and, and beautiful attire. But no, I think it's more of a Renaissance of the neighborhood. Come yeah. see how the neighborhood is evolving, changing. Look at the positive things that are going on. I mean, if it was a straight up Renaissance Festival, I'd probably still be out there.
2: <laughs> now I just kind of want to put together a renaissance fair in the hood right like i just think that would be really fun
1: uh i think that sounds great and i do think that turkey legs is maybe that like you know that's the connection (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the synergy there
2: (laughs) we can all come together over turkey legs
1: yes
0: (laughs) latina baloney i appreciate y'all for joining us
1: thanks so much
0: before i let you go Now, summer isn't over just yet. We got about two more weeks. But when I look out my window, I see the leaves on the trees already transforming from green to orange. So they got me wondering. I asked the group, what are they looking forward to this fall? Lead producer, Carrie Shepherd.
2: My favorite part about the new season is pulling out my best fall outfits
0: and updating my wardrobe too. Producer, Simone Alisea.
2: I really do like the leaves, both the color and the crunch
0: and newsletter writer Sydney Madden.
1: I'm excited for all things apples. Apple picking, apple pie, and apple cider donuts.
0: Me, I'm right there with Carrie. I love getting some new fall fits. You see, you can wear layers, you can feel comfortable. And so I'm looking around, all I see is jackets and flannels and blazers and hoodies. You Can't wear that in the summer. So I'm ready to get fall fly. I gotta give a big shout out to Sam Trump and Mark Greenberger, the Mayfair workshop for our music. And to you, Thanks for joining us another week. And if you're new here, head over to Chicago.CityCast.FM. There's a lot of information there for you. I promise. I'll talk to you all on Monday. Peace. Four Tours. forward Tours. What are you saying, boy? Don't even make no sense.